Is this a spiritual podcast? <laughs> sure is. You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio, the realest conversation on spirituality, finding your truth, and creating a life that honors your soul. I'm your host, Megan Hale, and together we'll grow in more faith, more love, and doing our holy work in the world. We've always been holy, and we were born to be wild. Permission to be both is granted. This episode is brought to you by Wild and Holy Weekend, an intimate retreat that's one part worship, one part liberation, all parts feed your soul medicine. And I can't wait to welcome the next 10 women to Austin, Texas for tacos, hugs, truth, and transformation. There are still a few more spots to join me, so you can find out more at wildandholyweekend.com. And if there's a sister you know who needs this in her life, girl, please pass this along. Life's too short to stay small because you are meant to expand. And Wild and Holy Weekend is the answer. Hello, everybody, and happy Monday. It's Labor Day. I hope if you are in the U.S., you are enjoying a happy holiday weekend. Before we get into our episode today, I want to continue to point you to several organizations you can support that are actively helping to rebuild after Hurricane Harvey, including the Houston and San Antonio Food Banks, the Houston and San Antonio Humane Societies, and the Texas Diaper Bank. You can find all of those links down in the show notes. I appreciate so many of you already taking action and donating to help so many of these Texans rebuild their homes. I'll be completing my training this week with the Red Cross to start volunteer work here in our San Antonio shelters as part of the Disaster Mental Health Relief Division, which I'm really excited and honored to contribute in that way. You know, this is going to be such a long rebuilding, you guys, so please don't stop donating or finding ways to help. Okay, so <laughs> this episode today is major, so major, and before we even get into this, I just want to kind of be totally honest and upfront about where I am coming to this, okay? So we're talking about healing religious wounds, and this is a big topic, and a topic that is very emotionally charged for so many of us if we have ever felt wronged by a religion in which we were raised or a religion in which we used to identify with. And, you know, Brene Brown says something really wise. (laughs) She says, share scars, not wounds. And for a long time, um, these things have been scars. But you guys know that this past year I have been kind of reopening these things to take a deeper look and to find some deeper healing, some deeper integration. So I've actually been like reopening these wounds. And so what's really important for me to share today before we even get going is that my intention with this episode is not to make anything wrong or bad or good or right. Okay. Um, I don't want to come from a wounded place in talking about this concept, so I'm going to do my best to to do that. Um, 
But I will say, like, I'm just going to preface this, <laughs> that there's still things that hurt. And so although I'm going to do my best to, to not come from a very hurt place, um, I am going to be honestly talking about some of the hurts that I have endured. So, you know, I tell my clients who are looking for more spiritual healing and growth, and they're really looking towards others for truth. I say, you know, just make sure they're not coming from a wounded place. Like make sure they've done some work and some healing around this. And I really want to hold myself to that same expectation here. So this is going to be, um, I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> We're just going to kind of dive in here and see and see where we lead. I was talking to one of the women who joined me at Wild Holy Weekends uh, this past June, and she comes from the Hindu faith. And we had just this amazing conversation on, you know, both of our journeys around religion and doing the healing work that we've been doing and reexamining some things and the courage that, that takes and you know, how hard it is to really dig through all of these layers because it's really hard to separate like religion, culture, and God. And when we're talking about religious wounds today, I'm going to really try my best <laughs> to, to keep this separate, but it, it is so incredibly difficult because so much of our culture is informed by religion and it's hard to really separate those two. And so much of our idea of God is informed by religion. So I don't know if it's possible to keep all of these things separate, but I want to just make mention that as we kind of wade in here, I do think that there are two different things. There's, there's pain from religion and there's pain from God, and these aren't always the same thing. So sometimes when we're healing religious wounds, we're really looking at um, healing the way that we've been hurt by a religion, like a, a set of beliefs and values, okay? And when we're doing our healing work with God, that is such an intimate relationship rebuilding. And they are, it's like two different skill sets that go into that. So I kind of just want to start there before we even dive any deeper. Okay. So as I was preparing for this episode, I was really trying to think about like, what is, what is religion? Anyway, like, let's, let's start there. Like, what is religion? And to me, you know, a religion is a set of rules, rituals, beliefs, morals, and values that create a subset of culture, right? That's what it is. A religion is a culture in which people find an identity and affinity centered on a common understanding of who God is and how this God should be worshipped. Okay, that's kind of like my working definition of God. I mean, religion. So I think just starting with a definition is really helpful because when we're talking about healing religious wounds, we're talking about the hurt that has been caused by a set of rules, beliefs, rituals, morals, and values that may have created judgment that may have created feelings of shame, that may have created feelings of unworthiness or undeservingness. They could have created feelings of guilt. Um, this can create a lot of emotional baggage for us that we have to wade through and, and heal, right? So, you know, from a, from a psychological point of view, like I really wanted to kind of dive into like, why do we gravitate? Why does, why do humans gravitate towards religion to begin with? Right. And I really think that 
we are designed in such a way to want to understand and give meaning to our lives. And religion helps people do that, right? It's like people gravitate towards religion to help explain the mystery and complexity of life. It really provides a roadmap of what's right and what's wrong. It gives us a set of values to identify with. It meets a need for belonging and acceptance, right? It explains what happens like after we die. I mean, it explains a lot of things. It gives meaning to a lot of our life events. It gives us greater understanding of like intangible concepts like love and faith and trust and respect, right? So I think religion in, in its most pure form is really just trying to give a roadmap. It's trying to give direction for us to find more meaning in our lives and for us to find a way to connect with God, okay? And I think, I think one of the ways that this kind of started to go sideways for me is that religion somehow became interpreted as there's only one way to connect with God. There's only one way to explain your life. There's only one way to even live your life if it's going to be godly and holy and good. And that's when I started to feel kind of like the walls starting to, to cave in on me. Okay. So my walk with religious wounds, I'll just kind of give you a little bit of uh, background first before we kind of go in. So you kind of know where I'm coming from. So I was raised Episcopalian. And if you're not familiar with the Episcopal faith, it's kind of a subset of Catholicism. It's, there's a lot of similarities. I can actually go to a Catholic mass and I, I know a lot of the things that they say. Um, I, can, I know them by heart. And um, there are some differences, of course, between Catholicism and um, being Episcopalian, but also a, a whole lot of overlap, okay? So there's a lot of rituals, um, like we have communion every Sunday, for instance, and communion, um, if you're not Christian, like really represents um, taking in the body and blood of Christ. And um, we have certain prayers that we say every single Sunday, and we, we sing hymns that change from Sunday to Sunday. And it's very biblical-based um, faith. And as I have kind of gained some distance from the faith in which I was raised, I've really kind of looked at all of these different denominations under the umbrella of Christianity as just different interpretations of the Bible. One, like there's definitely more conservative interpretations and there's more liberal interpretations. And then along with those interpretations are a set of values and beliefs and morals that accompany those interpretations. And so what you find is that you find certain groups of people identifying more um, with a specific interpretation and the value set that that creates. And all of these things can vary widely under the same umbrella of Christianity, okay? And so when we look at religion, what we're really looking at is how, how one follows a sacred text, the interpretation of that sacred text, and what meaning they give their lives based on that sacred text. The sacred text is kind of like the roadmap of what's right, what's wrong, how we um, become one with God, um, how we become better humans, right? So Episcopalian 
Hism, <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting because they've gone through a split in their history where there's like a conservative branch that's kind of uh, cut off and then there's a more liberal branch. So there's been this separation just within the Episcopal faith and um, like one side doesn't agree with same-sex marriage, the other side does. Um, one side doesn't really like women to be in leadership, the other side is totally okay with it. So you have very polarizing beliefs under one faith. So this thing can get really confusing very quickly. And I am not coming at this from any sort of level of expertise. <laughs> Trust me, I, I talk to my parents a lot who are Episcopalian and like they give me a lot of information on what's going on, but I do not stay up to date with current events by any means. So just kind of trying to put this in context for you guys. So what happens or what has happened for me is growing up in the Episcopal church um, and growing up, I think in just a Christian subset of beliefs and just in general, you know, we're, I am a woman growing up in a patriarchal religion. Okay. Where the man is the hero, the woman is the servant, the woman is the helper. And within this interpretation of this faith, there are certain ideals embedded, certain rules, certain guidelines of who a woman should be in order to be a godly woman, okay? And as I look back now, like I think what, ha what has happened, <laughs> I'm still very much in the process of sorting all this out because it's so much to sort out, you guys. But as I look back now, I think a lot of my resistance towards my religion came from this place of me being um, like a feminist at heart of like really believing in the equality of both genders, um, not believing in this like subservient role of women. And because this was who I was and what I valued, it rubbed up against the values of the congregation of people that I was supposed to belong to. And so what happens when your values start to differ from a group of people in which you're supposed to belong to is that you start to feel like you really don't belong. Okay. And for us, this can create a lot of pain. It can create a lot of suffering, but I think more than anything, it creates a lot of questions. And for me, I remember wondering like, am I wrong for feeling the way that I do? Am I wrong for thinking the way that I do? Because what happens when we start to differ from a group's beliefs is that it's very common for that group to tell us certain things about the change that we're going through. And these can be kind of scary and condemning. Um, like there's a lot of verbiage in Christianity, for instance, of, well, you know, you're going to be a lost sheep or you're going to go to hell, right? Which is a really scary idea for many of us who are brought up in a certain religion. And it's, there's not a lot of room for differing opinions, right? And this is kind of just the way humans work. Like, like attracts like. We enjoy being around people who have similar ideas and similar values and similar beliefs, right? And so when we start to feel like we're differing in those beliefs, when we start to feel like our values are shifting, 
we feel like maybe we, we no longer belong. And I think one of the harshest things that happens when we're in the middle of this process is that there can be a lot of judgment, not only judgment within ourselves, but judgment um, outside of ourselves from other people um, that we have grown to love or who have played really big roles in our lives as long as we were living by what they believed, right? So when we start to change or we start to grow, or we start to shift or expand and we start living by different values and different morals and different beliefs and we start creating different rituals or rules that we're living our lives by, what can happen a lot of the times is that we present this sense of danger or uncertainty to this congregation. And so it, it comes across as kind of like a threat because you're not following the rules. <laughs> you're not following the rules. So for instance, let's say you're in a conservative Christian church and they don't believe in sex before marriage. They don't believe in cohabitating before marriage. And you have found this person who you're madly in love with. You know that you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. Um, you're not even engaged yet, but y'all are living together. Y'all are having sex. Y'all are expressing love. Y'all are really deepening into your relationship with each other. You're building this beautiful sense of intimacy and just building this strong foundation for the future. And because you are doing something that is different from the church's beliefs, right, you can you could be looked at as living in sin, um, which comes across as really judgmental, right? Um, or you could be kind of excommunicated from this group of people because you're not playing by their rules. And what happens when we go through a situation like this, whether we separate ourselves or we are involuntarily separated from a congregation or any group of people, right? is that it creates a big, it's like breaking up. It's like a breakup. <laughs> it's a loss. And so associated with that can, is, are going to be the stages of grief, right? So for me, when I started to separate from the church and really kind of give myself space to just figure out all this stuff, like why did I feel the way that I did? Why did I have this bad taste in my mouth? Why did I feel like I was judged or condemned when that's not what um, Christianity preaches, right? Like there was a lot of like hypocrisy going on, which didn't sit well with me. And so when I left, I was angry and bitter. And for a lot of us who are experiencing religious wounds, we can feel angry and we can feel bitter because we feel wronged by a group of people who were supposed to treat us with kindness, with acceptance, with moving towards us instead of further away, right? That's Christ consciousness. And so when that is not modeled to us, it can create a lot of hurt and harm for us. And I think one of the biggest dangers with all this is that we start to confuse the way these people are representing God with God himself or herself. So what happened for me, for, in, for example, is when I left the church, I left God with it. And so this whole concept of like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, I threw it all out. <laughs> Everything went out. And I was angry and I was bitter at God for letting this happen, first and foremost. And I was also angry at the church because it was like creating this hierarchy of like, well, we're better than you. 
we're following the rules and you're not. So you no longer fit in and you're no longer worthy to be in our presence. You're no longer worthy of being as part of our congregation. Okay. So this can create a whole shitstorm of emotions for us. And when we are leaving something that we have so strongly identified with for so long, like wearing a religious label becomes a part of who you are. It's how it's a lens in which you view your world. It's a lens in which you give meaning to your life. And it really goes into like all different kinds of concepts of like, what do you believe happens after you die? How do you explain tragic events? How do you explain natural design? Like there's so many things embedded <laughs> in our religious affiliation. So many things that I can't even tease them all apart. So it's just so many layers to it. But when you start to leave a religion, and you start to de-identify with something, what it creates is some sort of level of like existential crisis. Like we feel kind of lost, like we no longer belong there, but we don't know where we belong yet. Okay. And that middle space, that middle space can be really, really uncomfortable for us because our, our need for belonging and acceptance is just so high such a basic human need. And when that need isn't met, we kind of feel like we're floating, right? And when that happens, when we go through an um, individuation process, right, where we're really kind of questioning who we are now, um, we're really questioning our identity, like what are our values, what do we believe to be true, and we can even go deeper into this or broader into this of who do I believe God to be, these are really huge questions that don't just have an immediate answer. So what happened for me, which I think is what happens for a lot of us, is that when we separate from a church or religion, is that we have a lot of big questions that don't have immediate answers, which is tough for a lot of us. But then we also have this belonging thing that's going on. I no longer belong there, so where do I belong instead? And this can be a really long search for so many of us, right? So I think for me, um, I was lucky in the sense that I started finding people who were no longer identified with religion or a church and who were kind of like making up their own religion, um, their own ways of uh, communicating and connecting with God. And there's this whole other spiritual community that I kind of found myself in through yoga and other alternative ways of like other than Christianity that were really kind of exploring this sense of spirituality where I started to kind of feel like maybe I fit in here. Maybe this is kind of a, a home base, right? And this has felt very comforting for me for a long while until the past couple of years where I was like, but something's still not right. Like I had, healed my relationship with God, but I still was carrying these religious wounds, like because religious wounds don't just go away because you walk away from it. <laughs> they still have to be healed. And the way we heal that is by gaining broader perspective and gaining more objectivity of understanding how we were hurt, what hurt us, and finding forgiveness there, right? And I've done layers of this, and I think that that's the way forgiveness works works is that there's multiple layers like we'll do one act of forgiveness or one layer of forgiveness and then we'll coast for a while we feel good and then another layer will present itself for us to do further healing 
and then we'll coast on that for a little while. And then another layer presents itself, right? And, you know, with deep wounds like this, like when you no longer identify with something that was a huge part of your identity, there's going to be layers <laughs> that represent itself. And so I think for me, you know, I had done some healing of this, of really understanding like, look, it's not that I was wrong for having different beliefs or values. It's just that I had different beliefs and values. It wasn't wrong or right. It was just different. And based on my church's beliefs, to them, it is wrong, right? It is wrong because that's not their beliefs, okay? So kind of separating this out a little bit of like if I could put myself in their shoes and I believed what they believed, would I have a similar response to the values that I was holding on to the values that were guiding my life, right? And that's the thing that's really touchy about religion and especially like whatever denomination you happen to be in. And I know I'm speaking um, at this from a Christian perspective because that's really the only perspective I have. Um, but I think that this is relevant to many faiths. I think that there's conservative sides and liberal sides to any religion out there. Um, so really kind of having to separate out that these are cultures. <laughs> this is a culture. And we're either going to fit with a certain culture or we're not. And it doesn't make us bad, but it also doesn't make it um, a place where we, know, where we feel safe to be our full selves, right? And this is the case in politics, especially religion, and even relationship environments, you guys. Like when you're with a partner who has very different values than you, it can make you feel like you're doing something wrong. Um, for prioritizing something that they think is stupid, for instance. <laughs> and it can make you question, like, is this wrong? When you just have a difference in values. And over time, if, if this is not um, something that can be reconciled, it will end up being very toxic. That's how this works. So when we're trying to mold ourselves to fit in with somebody else's value system that is not our authentic value system, it's going to create this sense of, I can't be my true self. And over time, when we're trying to pretend to be somebody we're not, it's very hurtful for our soul. Like it's like we cannot, it's like we're killing a part of ourselves off to try and fit in. Okay. And I think that's why I loved reading the gifts of imperfection so much from Brene Brown, because she talks about the difference between fitting in and belonging. Fitting in is when we win the acceptance of other people and the belonging of other people by making ourselves be who other people want us to be. Right. But fitting in will never be the same thing as belonging because in order to belong, we have to be our authentic selves. We have to be who we are, okay? And so for so much, I can, like looking back at, you know, the earlier days of being in my faith and the way that I would just feel like I had to be somebody I wasn't when I walked through those church doors. I had to put on this persona. I had to pretend that certain things were important to me or that I believed certain things when that wasn't really my truth. And so anytime we're living in a situation where we can't be our full selves, it becomes um, a very um, constraining environment for us where we don't feel safe expressing our true selves. And when we can't be who we are, 
there's, there's a part of us on a spiritual level that is sad, that is repressed, that questions if they're enough, question if they're living right or wrong. It creates a lot of emotional distress inside of us, right? And I think in extreme cases, which gratefully, I, I don't think I've lived through anything extreme, but there's also something called religious trauma in which the judgment that we experience by not living up to a congregation's or belief system's ideals creates such this sense of damnation and shame and guilt, and it really interferes with our sense of worthiness and our own divinity and our own connection with God. I mean, it can be really, really intense that we actually have to go and, and really do some deep healing and rebuilding from. And, you know, I see that when, like in very conservative faiths, when someone who is more liberal or not even more liberal. Let's just talk about somebody who comes from a conservative faith, but who happens to be gay, right? And the way that they are viewed or treated in that very conservative faith is that, you know, you are a sinner, you are wrong, like there's something wrong with you. Like the way, if you integrate that, if you in, internalize that, do you see how that could totally shape your perception of self? Do you see how that could totally shape your, your understanding of God? or your worthiness of divine intervention or divine blessings in your life? Could you see? And I mean, I think that's probably one of like the most traumatic things that I could imagine, or even what Glennon talks about in Love Warrior, where she was going through a separation with Craig, right? And the church that she was attending was telling her that, she, you know, it was not okay to divorce. It was not okay to divorce. And that she needed to stay with him because that's what, you know, a holy, that's what holy matrimony is. And so the church was putting pressure on her to abandon her soul and what was right for her in order to do what the church thought was right. And so it wasn't, um, wasn't acknowledging what she needed as a human. So sometimes in, in faiths like that, they can dehumanize our needs. They can dehumanize our wants and they can dehumanize our authenticity. And anytime we're dehumanized, oh my goodness, oh my goodness it can feel so shaming, right? It can feel so shaming. And I think the thing that really messes me up with all this is when I confuse religion with God. And that's taken a long time to end up separating out for me. That religion and God are two different things. That religion is a way of explaining God, and there's multiple ways of explaining God. Even no religion, right? Which is actually on the rise in the U.S., by the way, and in any Western culture people not identifying with religion. It's like the second largest group of people in Western civilization, which I kind of find interesting. Um, now, not all of those people are seeking spirituality. Some of those people are agnostic and atheists, but embedded within that subgroup are people who are spiritual. So I just find that kind of interesting that there's this movement of moving away from religion right now. So, I think when it comes to healing religious wounds, which I'm going to have an author on next week to really dive into this, which I'm so excited about. But when it comes to religious wounds, we kind of have to, first of all, separate religion from God, that God did not hurt us. This religion did, right? We might have our own stuff with God I've got to work out. I certainly did. <laughs> I've, I was definitely convinced that God had hurt me. And in a way, you know, it, God had hurt me. 
And I had to do a lot of healing work there to be good with God, right? And if you're just now joining Wild and Holy Radio, please go back and listen to episode eight where I talk about what I mean when I say the word God. But this whole religion thing, like this is a very interesting interesting uh, situation because I know from just doing healing work is that forgiveness is a big part of this puzzle. And like, how do you forgive a religion? How do you forgive an institution? How do you forgive a culture? <laughs> this is something I've never done. So I've been kind of feeling like a fish out of water this year in a way because I'm trying to do something that just feels so abstract. Like, where do you even start? Like, where do you forgive like patriarchy, for instance? Where do you even start with that? <laughs> but one thing that I heard that Rob Bell said that really kind of struck a chord with me is that it's not an institution you need to forgive. It's people. And that made it a little bit more humanizing for me of lo looking at like, so what were the instances of like my personal experiences that made me feel the way that I did that need to be forgiven? And that's really hard for me because I've blocked a lot of it out. Like when stuff hurts, we, we create separation for ourselves so we can protect ourselves from that pain, right? And so going back and looking at that from where I am now, it's very, I'm having to do some digging with that. And I, I think, you know, forgiveness work is something that's really confused by a lot of us. Um, and I, I see this happen, like, even within my own family and with my friends even, that forgiveness means that something is okay. That if we forgive something, that we're agreeing to it. And that's not what forgiveness means, okay? Forgiveness means that what happened was not okay. But I understand that you're human and you made a mistake and you're doing the best you can. It doesn't mean that I'm gonna, I would settle for that or I would allow that in my life currently. So it's not that it makes it okay, okay? Forgiveness is absolving somebody for being who they were, doing what they did, and really giving them the benefit of the doubt that they, they did the best they could with the beliefs that they held, the values that they were trying to live by, like who they are as a person. And that for me has helped me do a lot of this forgiveness work up to this point, right? Like forgiving my parents, um, forgiving other church members for how they were viewing my life or trying to guide my life based on their value system, based on their beliefs, which is what we all do anyway. It's like our natural go-to, like that's our, bi our bias, is we use our, our lens in order to advise or guide or this is what I would do in that situation, right? And I think that it, can be really, really hurtful when we try and push, push our views, push our values, push our beliefs on somebody else because we're not giving them the opportunity to trust their own knowing of what's right for them. So it's a kind of disempowering when we do that for people, right? And so I think it's a really fine line of, of watching your own bias or biases but also still walking alongside somebody as they're trying to figure something else out, you know? So as I look at, you know, healing my religious wounds, which is this whole new layer that's presented or another opportunity that has presented itself this year, I'm really looking at this as like, this was a culture. This was a culture based on values and beliefs and interpretation of a sacred text, which totally makes sense that they believe what they do based on that interpretation, right? I get it. I see it. 
And that interpretation and that culture that is formed from that interpretation does not line up with me. And that's okay. So giving myself permission to be different, giving myself permission to have different values, beliefs, rules, rituals that guide my life, different understanding of God, different interpretation of a sacred text even. That's huge. That's huge in, in forgiving and healing religious wounds. So we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper next week. I'm going to have somebody come on and speak to this from a different perspective, which I'm really excited about. And I don't know where we're going to go from here because this is such a big topic. Um, and I think that it happens in so many different religions. So I would love to have other faith leaders come on from, um, you know, the Jewish faith or the Hindu faith or um, Muslim faith and really talk about their experiences with this because I just think that we're so much more alike than different. And I know for us, like when we've been hurt by something, the process that we have to go through, um, it's going to be different and unique for each of us, but there's, there's common threads. And Wild and Holy Radio is all about finding that common thread that unites us all. It's about unity. It's about humanity. It's about being who you are, knowing that all is welcome here. There's so much permission to be both wild and holy. Like that is the premise. And so I just, yeah, I'm so limited in my knowledge when it comes from like to other faiths and how this works and how other people experience this. So I'm just curious. I'm just curious to know um, what other people's journeys have been. So I am hoping that as we continue on season one, that it's just a very rich, diverse conversation and we're all walking each other home. That's, that's my hope. That's my hope. So I would love to hear from you. Um, you know, anger and bitterness, totally normal emotions. And so if you're feeling that right now, if you've been hurt recently, even in like the past few years, even the past decade, because we can hold on to this stuff for a while, right? If you're feeling that anger and bitterness, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. That's part of the grief process. Anger. Anger is part of grief. And that's something that we have to feel. It's something that we have to process out in order to get where we need to go. Okay. Um, there's the bargaining of like, we really try and like bargain with ourselves of like, wow, oh, man, well, I can give this part of my life up. I can give that part of my desire up if it helps me belong more, right? It helps me be more worthy in their eyes of God. So that's something that we try and do. Like even maybe before we separate, or we might have second thoughts after we separate and we want to go back. <laughs> We're trying to figure out a way like maybe I can fit in. Maybe I can, maybe I'll just chop this part of myself off and I can live with it. I can't, I can't, I can't. And the bargaining phase is just a part of the grief process, right? The sadness, sadness, the loneliness, the, the feeling like I don't know where I belong anymore. I mean, I, that's so major, so major. And like, that's what I hope that wild and holy is for so many of us is like, when we feel like we don't belong, we no longer belong to, to a group of people, the wild and holy is here to welcome you, saying that you belong here because everything's welcome here. Like, let's sort through this stuff together. Because I think for so much of my, my life and my searching, like, I just, I wanted some place where I belonged, where I could have these spiritual conversations and not feel like I was the only one questioning these things, right? Where I could really feel like I could be open and honest I could share all of my emotions and not be like judged or shamed for being angry or resentful, for being pissed off, 
um, to have a safe space to work through this stuff so I could find a deeper relationship with God. I mean, oh my goodness. I so wish that I had had that. But the sadness is real because this is a major loss. Like when you de-identify with a faith, it leaves a big hole of like, well, what goes there instead? Who am I now? Who is God now? How does all this stuff work? <laughs> Which are really, really, really big questions, like existential questions. And so just being around other people who are asking similar questions, it's comforting. It's comforting along your journey. And, you know, I think that we get to like the bargaining phase. I mean, not the bargaining phase, the, the acceptance phase. Um, and I've definitely been here. And I kind of find my way back here over and over again. You know, grief is not, um, I think one of the things that's really misunderstood about grief is that it's like these sequence of events, it's like the shock and denial, the bargaining, the sadness, the anger, and the acceptance. And I'm probably screwing that, that order up out of memory. Sorry if I am. And the way grief has worked for me is that it's kind of like a pinball machine. And like I'm the ball. And I'm just bouncing around all these different stages of grief. <laughs> like shock one day, denial, anger, resentment, sadness, bargaining, and then back at shock and denial, like how did this happen? And it's like we bounce around here for a while and then we'll kind of find acceptance where we kind of, the ball falls through those little pens, right? And we're like, oh my God, I made it. And then <laughs> it's like a week later, we're like back in the pinball machine again. We're like, how did this happen? <laughs> like I thought I was good. But those are the layers of grief. And so if you're experiencing this, if you're, you're really, you're experiencing religious wounds, you're holding religious wounds, you're walking through your life with these religious wounds, know that the emotional experience you're having is totally normal and expected. And it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to, to bargain. It's okay to be shocked, right? All of this stuff is okay. And we actually have to feel that you have to feel it and process it in order to get to the other side and find more healing, find more contentment, reintegrate, like find out who we are now. And, you know, it's been my experience that that has opened me up to such a more beautiful, deep, rich understanding of who I am, who God is, the relationship that I have with God my understanding of how the world works, the way I give meaning to my life events. And it has been such a powerful experience for me. And I think it's such a courageous thing for us to own and walk through grief. I really, really do. It is such an honorable thing for us to do, but it is so not easy because it asks us to hold space for a lot of emotions that are not always so comfortable. So when we are going through um, an individuation process, we are starting to pull away from a faith Okay, this is going to be really uncomfortable too because you're expanding. <laughs> you're expanding and expansion does not always feel comfortable, right? Like we talked about the process of spiritual expansion, right? Episodes three, five, and six. Go listen to them. They're great. So when we're expanding into different values, different ways of seeing the world, and it doesn't really match up with a faith in which we were raised, it's so easy for us to think that maybe we're wrong but you're not wrong. You're just expanding. You're following your authentic path. You're following your authentic truth. And it is my personal belief that God is speaking to you through those callings, through those nudgings. So just keep following them. Just keep following them because there's so much power and pleasure 
and wholeness and spiritual authenticity. So if you are experiencing religious wounds, like let's talk about it. Like you're not alone. Oh my gosh, you're not alone. The more I've been talking about wild and holy, I've been having such rich conversations with you guys about the, the things that hurt, the things that are still hurting, the things that you're walking with, the things that are keeping you from understanding like what even happened back then, like why you felt the way that you did, how it's interfering with your concept of God, um, how, it's, how it's changing you. And I think just having a space to talk about this is going to be so great. So I want you to join me on Thursday over on my Facebook page for after the episode where we'll dive a little bit deeper. It's going to be at 1130 Central. So mark your calendars for that. We'll hop on live. You can answer or ask all your questions. You can give me your comments. We'll just have some good dialogue about this stuff. Okay. So I will see you guys Thursday over on my Facebook page at 1130 Central for after the episode. And I'll catch you next week as we dive a little bit deeper into healing religious wounds. Are you ready to play full out, sister, and experience the freedom that is everything wild and holy? Then you need to join me at the next Wild and Holy Weekend, September 22nd through 24th in Austin, Texas. It's going to be my last retreat until fall 2018 with this baby on the way, and I would love to see you there. There's a few more spots left to join me, but the time is now to make your decision, girlfriend. You can find out more and buy your ticket at wildandholyweekend.com.